0: plushcare.com slash weight loss from equity mates media welcome to the dive I'm your host Sasha Kelly have you ever asked for a pay rise and been knocked back I have but now I don't feel too alone because recently two of the world's richest men also had theirs knocked back When I asked, i just made a meeting with my boss. I talked about how much I'd grown, all the achievements I'd made, what responsibilities I wanted to take on. We chatted about the direction of the company, and I made my case for a pay rise for 3%. Show me the money. (laughs) And he said it wasn't appropriate to ask for a pay rise right now because they were making cuts. Look, I was disappointed, but I bought a bottle of wine, complained to my housemate, and I started looking for another job. I tell you what didn't happen. I didn't have the audacity to ask for $50 million. I didn't have to make my case to shareholders. And I didn't have to watch as they all voted against me. That's exactly what happened to Jamie Dimon, the CEO of investment bank JP Morgan, and Pat Gelsinger, the CEO of Intel recently. And there's a trend where shareholders are now pushing back against management's sky-high remuneration. It's Friday, the 20th of May, and today I want to know, why do CEOs get paid so much? And are shareholders right to question, are they worth it? To do this, I'm joined by my colleague and the co-founder of Equity Mates, Alec Renahan. Alec, welcome.
1: Thanks, Sasha. Good to be here.
0: So you're telling me, Alec, that this week hasn't been a good week for millionaire CEOs. So tell me what happened. What does a bad week look like when you're earning millions? Because... Honestly, I'm struggling to imagine
1: it. Well, Sasha, the news story this week is about two companies, JP Morgan and Intel, but there's a bigger story going on here that we want to unpack today. But let's start with these two companies and what's happened this week. And let's start with J.P. Morgan. Uh, but some news back on Wall Street today. The world's largest investment bank was preparing a $201 million US dollar compensation package for six of their top executives, headlined by a $50 million pay packet for CEO Jamie Dimon. But on Tuesday, only 31% of shareholders voted in favour of the plan. And that vote isn't binding and Diamond isn't likely to give the money back. uh... While the vote was non-binding, meaning the bank's board can ignore the results, they did say that they will, quote, take into account the outcome of the vote when considering future executive compensation arrangements. And they should, because shareholders are the owners of the company and elect the company's board. So if shareholders are rejecting something, the board should take notice. It is the first time JP Morgan's board has lost this vote since it was introduced in 2009. And if you think a $50 million pay packet for a CEO is big, let me introduce you to the second CEO pay story of the week. Intel and their $179 million proposed pay packet for CEO Pat Gelsinger. Intel
0: shareholders have voted against the company's compensation plan for its top executives. That's according to new regulatory filings. Similar
1: to JP Morgan, Intel held a vote on this proposed $179 million pay packet, and just 34% of the shareholders voted in favor of it. But it does signal that Intel investors are closely watching the performance of the company's CEO.
0: $50 million, $179 million. It sounds like I need some negotiating tips, to be honest. Before I ask you, is a CEO worth it? I've got a more simple question. Is this all in cash?
1: Uh, it would be nice, Sasha, but no, the majority of it is in stock in the company. Of Jamie Diamonds. $50 million proposed pay packet, it was going to be $1.5 million as a salary and the remainder as stock and stock options. Similarly, for Intel's $179 million pay packet, just $1 million.
0: I love how you say just $1 million. It's still a lot of zeros. I mean, it's one
1: banana, Michael. What could it cost? $10? Just $1 million, Sasha, is salary. Another $1.75 million is a cash bonus. And then there was $140 million in stock and $30 million in stock options.
0: I think the more important question is, why is so much of this salary in stock and not as a cash payment?
1: So the key reason is to incentivize CEOs to work in the best interests of shareholders. And there's no better way to do that than to make the CEO a shareholder. So stock, if you're getting granted stock, it can have a vesting schedule. Pat Gelsinger's $140 million in stock wouldn't have been given to him all on day one. It would be given in chunks over the next five or 10 years.
0: And that's what you mean by vesting schedule. It's going to come over that period of time.
1: That's right. Maybe it'll get spoon-fed a little bit every month, uh, you know, maybe a little bit every year. Uh, But basically what it ensures is the CEO sticks around for a while and thinks long-term, makes long-term decisions because they're getting that stock over a longer period of time. And if they leave before they get all of that stock, they don't get the rest of it. So in theory, it makes them a long-term shareholder. And then stock options also incentivize CEOs to focus on the share price in particular. Now, Sasha, let's imagine we have the Dive LLC. Okay. And we have a $5 share price. You as CEO and host uh, get stock options worth $20 a share. The way that stock options work, if our share price is below $20, those options that you've got are worthless. They don't mean anything to you. But if you can get our share price above $20, then all of a sudden those options are worth something to you. So you as CEO and host of the Dive LLC are incentivized to push our share price up. So those options that you have become worth something. So that's the theory. Stock and stock options are thought to align incentives between CEOs and shareholders.
0: So by pushing the value of the dive up, I can then swoop in and buy them at a bargain price once they're up around $30. I can come in and buy them at $20.
1: That's it. Yeah.
0: I think that's such a clever way to encourage loyalty. It makes a lot of sense to me. But also, if I was getting a $50 million pay packet, I mean I'd be doing everything I could to stay with that company. That's also a really good incentive. And all these numbers are huge. But the distance between 50 million and 179 million is still a lot of millions. So what's the going rate for a CEO these days?
1: Yeah, it's a great question, Sasha. And I think it depends on the country and it depends on the industry. So let's let's have a bit of a game. Do you want to have a guess? What country has the highest CEO pay?
0: Look, it's got to be the US, right?
1: This year, the average CEO's salary jumped 31% in the last yeah, year. Yeah, the US. Uh, of the 350 largest US companies, the average pay, including stock and everything, $21.3 million in 2019. You compare that to the 100 top in the UK, and they're about three and a bit million US dollars. In Australia, it's a bit less than 2 million US dollars for our top 100 CEOs. Not too shabby. Uh, It's not too (laughs) shabby, but the US is a step higher than everyone else.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: But Sasha, if we're designing your dream career, you're going to be a CEO in the US. I guess the next question is what industry you're going to be in. Do you want to have a guess at the highest paying industry for CEOs?
0: Well, I'd assume it would be financial banking, maybe?
1: I assumed that as well, but uh, our diligent researchers here at Equitymates (laughs) found that on average, it's the technology industry. Hello, I'm a Mac. The average CEO compensation, uh, over $26 million a year once you take into account stock and everything else.
0: That's pretty good. Pretty good (laughs) pay.
1: (laughs) Now, Sasha, we're fetishizing CEOs with massive paychecks here, so we may as well lean into it. Do you want to have a guess at the highest paid CEO globally in 2021?
0: I know you told me it was tech, but I reckon it's got to be a bank.
1: It's not a bank, it is an American tech CEO, but it's a surprising industry, travel focused. You wouldn't have thought last year was a particularly good one for travel. Everything you need to choose the hotel that's right for you. Peter Kern from Expedia Group takes the cake, takes the paycheck, whatever they get to take. $296 million pay packet in 2021. Expedia. But look, Sasha, when we talk about CEO pay, the raw numbers sort of tell the story and that's what captures the headlines. But it's probably not the right metric to be looking at. Perhaps a more appropriate metric is the CEO to average worker pay. Because that really tells us the story of the income inequality in a company or in a country or in an industry so if we look at average ceo to average worker pay do you want to have a guess where the ratio is the biggest
0: i'm still gonna go with the us
1: and you're still correct gap (laughs) is widening in america ceos getting paid a whole lot more than their employees for every one dollar the average u.s worker makes the average u.s ceo makes 265 dollars next highest india 229 to 1. The UK is also up there 201 to 1. South Africa, surprisingly, was also up there 180 to 1. The Netherlands, 171 to 1. Now, we should say that those ratios uh, were from a 2018 study. So, a couple of years old, but really tell the story of, I guess, the income inequality and. In- between CEOs and the average worker.
0: So where does Australia sit in these rankings?
1: We've pulled out some of Australia's biggest listed companies. Uh, Our biggest telco, Telstra, 57 to 1. Qantas, our biggest airline, 126 to 1. Woolworths, our biggest supermarket, 143 to 1. So that gives an idea of the ratio in some particular companies. If we go overseas, have you heard about the online supermarket Ocado in the UK?
0: Yeah, I used it a couple of times when I was living there. You start your day with breakfast bed.
1: Well, you contributed to Tim Steiner, the CEO of Ocado's whopping 2605 to one ratio for every one dollar the average Ocado staff member makes he makes 2,605 and then if we go over to the US famously one of the Disney family criticized Bob Iger the former CEO of Disney who was making over a thousand times the median salary of a Disney employee but I think Sasha ratios are hard to conceptualize Bob Iger a thousand to one like what does that mean let me put it this way At 5.30pm on Wednesday the 6th of January 2021, 34 working hours into the calendar year, the CEOs of top British companies had earned the same amount their average worker would earn in the entire year.
0: Those numbers are pretty shocking. Right, Alec, let's take a break here. But when we get back, let's talk about how these ratios happen, how they eventuate. These are the most coveted jobs in the world. And these companies are incredibly well run with activist shareholders. They're just always looking for the overspend, where they can trim the fat, where they can encourage companies to knuckle down a little bit harder. So how are these CEOs getting such a massive pay packet? And is there an argument that they're worth it? But first, an ad break so we can afford our overpaid CEO, Bryce Lesky.
1: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
0: Welcome back to The Dive. Before the break, we spoke about the news of the week. CEOs' big salaries are getting knocked back. And I want to understand why they're getting such big pay packets in the first place. But first, Alec, I think let's talk about who is knocking them back.
1: So, Sasha, it's shareholders. Shareholders are the ones that get to vote on uh, these proposals and a number of other proposals because they are the owners of the company. And it's pretty democratic in a way, but it's not totally democratic. In a democracy, we live by one person, one vote. In the world of the share market, we live by one share, one vote. Mm. So the biggest shareholders, the vanguards, the BlackRocks, the state streets of the world, they have a few more votes than you or I do. And we're talking about JP Morgan today. Let's look at their share register to explain what we mean here. JP Morgan have about 3 billion shares on issue. The three largest shareholders own the vast majority of those shares. Vanguard own about 250 million and State Street and BlackRock both own about 140 million shares. So between these three big asset managers, they own about 18% of the company. So when a vote comes along, they have a lot more vote than we do.
0: Yeah, so if you're winning over the managers at those three big companies, then you're already controlling such a large portion of that vote.
1: That's exactly right. And there's another important thing to note when we're talking about shareholder votes, and it's that these aren't compulsory, and a lot of people just don't vote. We spoke about JP Morgan uh, before. Let's go to the other company we're talking about this week, Intel, If we look at the vote that rejected their CEO's pay packet, that $179 million pay packet, I'm not going to (laughs) stop saying that number. Um, A lot of shareholders just didn't vote. So 1.78 billion shares voted against the pay packet. 921 million voted for the pay packet. But 577 million just did not vote at all. And so we have big institutions that have bigger voices because they own more shares and a lot of smaller investors like you and I Sasha we just don't vote a lot of the time.
0: Yeah, let's get to that in a second. But first of all, you've brought up these two stories, JP Morgan and Intel, who we're talking about today, but this is all part of a larger trend, isn't it? Shareholders delivered a loud message yesterday.
1: That's right. Shareholders at AT&T, at Philips, and at General Electric have all voted against increasing CEO pay and bonuses this year after poor financial results. And last year in 2021, a record 16 American companies had the pay of their executives rejected by over half of their investors, by over 50% of the shareholders that voted. And that was up from 10 in 2020 and seven in 2019. So it's a growing trend that we're seeing here.
0: All right, this gets me to my ultimate question, the one I've been gearing up for since I first saw this article about Jamie Dimon's proposed $50 million pay packet. And that is how. How do CEOs justify that level of pay? And perhaps more importantly, why do companies agree to pay that much?
1: Yeah, that's the right framing of this question, Sasha, because we often think about CEOs and companies being one and the same. But unless the CEO is the founder of the company with a meaningful ownership percentage and control of the board, They're not the same. CEOs are generally hired professionals. The company is owned by shareholders represented by the board. And just like we negotiate our salaries with our employers, the CEO negotiates their salary with their employer, the board. So it's not like the CEO just decides, I'm going to pay myself $50 million this year. They have to negotiate it and the board has to agree to it. I'm chairman. Casting vote. I win. So... In some ways, who cares how a CEO justifies what they get paid? They negotiate hard and they get what they can get. The bigger question is how do companies justify what they pay, what they agree to pay a CEO? Because they're accountable to the company's shareholders. They're accountable to you and I, to BlackRock, to Vanguard, to State Street, to all of the shareholders who expect money to be spent in a responsible way. Now, when we tried to answer that question, when we started our research, when we looked online, we often read that big CEO pay packets align incentives, but that's more an argument about how they're paid, the stock and the stock options we spoke about before. It's not really a conversation about how much they're paid. Whether you get paid 2 million, 20 million or 200 million, your incentives are aligned if you become a shareholder of the company. But what we want to understand and what we're trying to answer is the how much question. Why CEOs are getting the $200 million rather than the $2 million pay packet. And it seems there are two broad justifications. Number one, they're creating a lot of value. And number two, it's the market price for the best executives. So let's talk about number one first. I said, look, shareholders have been rewarded and therefore the board has rewarded me. I have created a lot of wealth for people in the stock. Simply the argument is that CEOs are worth it. The best CEOs generate multiples of their salaries and then some in value. Elon Musk at Tesla, Steve Jobs at Apple, Jeff Bezos at Amazon, Melanie Perkins at Canva, Patrick Collison at Stripe, Bryce Lesky at Equity Mates. These are the names we know and there's a reason we know them. They've built incredible businesses. Incredible. (laughs) (laughs) But Sasha, there is a big but here. Do you notice something about those names?
0: Yeah, I did actually, as you said them. They're all founders, aren't they?
1: They're all, well, controversially, Elon, not quite a founder, but very early. Um, It's rare that a hired executive CEO joins that list of revered names. Can you think of any?
0: The only one, and I think it's cheating because you've already mentioned him in this recording session, but would be Bob Iger at Disney. And that's because I've read his book. (laughs) And that's honestly it.
1: Bob Iger is a great example. Jack Welch at GE is another one. Lee Iacocca, Chrysler in the 80s. Rex Tillerson at Exxon, maybe. In Australia, Alan Joyce at Qantas. Like There are some CEOs that can make a very strong case that they justify their pay. They've created exponentially more value for shareholders. But the research suggests that the average CEO, a managerial type that hasn't founded the business, hasn't been a visionary, uh, is quite overrated. According to the research, there are more important factors that determine the outcomes for these companies. And the classic example that people always point to when they challenge this idea is financial institutions during the GFC. Because there was a lot of criticism about CEO pay, executive pay, leading up to the GFC. And the finance sector always defended their high pay on the basis of their abilities and their talent and the value that they created. But then the banks went bust. Many of them collapsed. And people started to look at those justifications in a new light. So CEOs being the key to success is the first argument we hear. But Sasha, let's move on to the second argument, which is this is what it costs to hire a great CEO. What the market is willing to pay. And if we want the best, we have to offer a competitive salary. Uh, The way it normally works is they have a compensation committee on the board and they benchmark their competitors. They group, you know, 10, 20, 50 companies, whatever it is. And they say, what are they paying their CEOs? And where are we fitting in that? Oh, for XYZ Bank, well, that guy's making X. So we got to give that guy, we got to give our guy X. And so then it becomes uh, just a self-fulfilling prophecy. And so if a bunch of companies start paying more, then what you find is that other companies end up having to pay more as well. And that's sort of how CEO payers got, spiraled out of control because people keep one-upping each other to get the best.
0: Spiraled out of control. Look, I'm gonna say they were your words, <laughs> not mine.
1: Yeah, well I'm happy to I'm happy to wear that, Sasha. $179 million for one year. Elon Musk in 2020 got 6.5 billion in stock options. I think out of control is not an outrageous thing to say. But I think the important takeaway for us researching this episode and for people listening to this episode is whatever you think the right answer here is, whatever side of the argument you fall on, if you own shares in the company, you have a vote and you should make that voice heard.
0: But you said those numbers before, like you have to have millions of shares to make a dent in those votes, right?
1: Well, I mean, Sasha, we can make the same argument for the election that's coming up here in Australia or any democratic process. But I think the important thing is that retail shareholders make up a big percentage of companies' registers, We talk about, you know, Vanguard having 8% of JP Morgan and BlackRock and State Street having 4% each, but retail investors together, we outsize them. If we look at some of America's biggest companies, 39% of Tesla's shareholders are retail investors, 30% of NVIDIA's, 27% of Amazon's. Across the total stock market, it's estimated that 25% are retail investors. So, if retail investors all see something the same way, collectively their votes can change outcomes, even in these big companies.
0: And, you know, if we have anything to do about it at Equity Mates, that retail investor markup is only going to get higher and higher. That's it. Look, I didn't think a story about executive pay could end on such an inspirational note, Alec, but. Here we are. Personally, I'm going to commit to voting on all of my shares compensation
1: packages this year. That's a lot, Sasha.
0: (laughs) That's a lot. Okay, maybe one or two.
1: Okay. Well, look, I haven't exercised my vote on any compensation package in my time as an investor either. So I'm going to join you in that commitment let's say, at least two in 2022.
0: It rhymes. It's perfect. I think we'll leave it there for today. Thank you so much for joining us for today's edition of The Dive. I do want to give a special shout out to Ali. She took my words to heart on Wednesday and she spammed half her contact list with our link to listen to the show. So hi to Ali. Thanks for following my instructions. And if you've come here to listen as a result of her spamming you, then welcome. Be like Ali, and maybe I'll give you a shout out too. If you're keen for us to research a story, then don't be shy. Contact us at thedive at equitymates.com or shoot us a message on social media. We're gonna be back in your feed on Monday. In the meantime, thanks so much for joining me today, Alec. Thanks, Sasha. Until next time. The Dive is a product of Equitymates Media. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of The Dive acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea, and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. The hosts of The Dive are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast.